Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode six of Stuttering Through Life, the podcast that's all about stuttering. I'm your host, Kyung Lee, and to today we have Devin Sluice on the podcast. Hi, Devin. Hey, Kyung. Thanks for having me. Of course, it's it's great to have you. Um, Devin is the director of music at the Royal Military College in Kingston. Ontario. He's been part of the military for 16 years, and he stutters. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's so cool that you're in a military band, and I've always thought that um, the military and music was a really cool combination that works really well. So how do you think having a stutter has affected your experience in this field? See, in this field... It depends, I guess, because I've had my stammer for so long before this. Um, you know, a stammer comes in usually when you have any sort of public speaking under a stressful situation, and certainly the military is no stranger to stressful situations. Yeah, sure. um, I guess, but, but in the way, uh, stammers kind of helped me in my career in that it's helpful as an officer to have people. You know, you manage a team and you, ha- you have to know the strengths of your team. And my strength is not always saying things like immediately or, or being able to say things uh, right on command. And it's helpful knowing people in your team who uh, are, are closers or who are good speakers and putting them in a position to, to do that. As far as music goes, it's nice because it kind of transcends a lot of that. It's also... Um, such a collaborative thing right yeah. but it's 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 nice being a part of the team and you know if i happen to if stammer were to affect me in the middle of a piece there's other people who will carry it on from there yeah for sure it's nice to have that um support system where you work and mm-hmm. then, yeah absolutely it's true. it's true oh and i also forgot to mention for our listeners um i've always known um stuttering as stuttering but it's also known as stammering in different parts of the world and even in just like different states or even countries so we'll be using it interchangeably just Mm -hmm. so everyone knows (laughs) so um I remember when we were talking earlier you told me a really interesting um analogy to how you explained what stuttering feels like so if you were to explain what stuttering felt like to someone who didn't stutter, um, how would you explain this? Yeah, all through growing up, I found it kind of very, di- I, would, I would imagine that it'd be a really difficult thing for other people to understand. Yeah. People who never have a, any sort of speech impediment to, and I feel like in the same sense has been elusive for me too to kind of know how people can just say whatever they want on command because I've never, I've never really had that experience. So then uh, I was doing a lot of weight training in high school. And there's a point like when you would, when I would bench press where there's a weight that you're lifting up that is, you know, you're part way up and it's not so heavy that you're going to drop it on yourself, but it's Mm -hmm. also uh, heavy enough that you can't push it up and you're kind of stuck in this limbo and you kind of like, move your body and your shoulders in such a way to kind of try to get a, an invisible grip on this weight. And I right. feel like it's, it's kind of like that where it's, it's not that you can't conceive of saying the word 
And it's also not that um, you're not going to be able to say it, but there's like some kind of invisible leverage that you're working with to try to get the word out that's hard to explain otherwise yeah yeah for sure i really like that what you talked about and so i thought it'd be really useful for um other people to hear Mm -hmm. and um what you said about when you're stuttering on a word it's not that we can't conceive of the word i think that's really true because um when someone is stuttering we always know we always know what we want to say like the words we want to say we have it in our minds Mm -hmm. it's just this like invisible thing that blocks us sometimes or just takes us longer to say it yeah and i i heard i heard an interesting quote recently that i i guess i don't understand it as the quote but kind of my perception of it the quote was um sometimes people hear we have a physical disability and we're treated as though we have a cognitive disability right yeah. and I, I i feel like that's kind of something that um i've always kind of imposed on others in a sense as well where um i go oh i know what i'm gonna say but they don't know that i know what i'm gonna say yeah and sometimes they try to finish my sentences and which is which is not a problem for me if they say it right but <laughs> if, if they actually I guess it right but it's yeah i guess i always struggled with it of thinking that other people would perceive it perceive it as being a cognitive disability where it's right. just a, a physical disability or limitation or whatever you want to call it yeah and i think um i think it's understandable for someone who doesn't know what stuttering is to assume that if someone is stuttering that they don't know what they're going to say or they need help finishing their sentence but mm-hmm. um but people who stutter are just like any other people they just uh take a little longer saying what they have to say right yeah exactly yeah my my wife she uh she's actually loved my stammer since the first time (laughs) i met her which which is great for me having having a stammer is pretty great if my wife likes it um (laughs) we we have this joke between us you know the movie frozen there's a song between uh anna and the guy she she has a crush on whatever hans (laughs) hans yeah and they're singing this song uh we finish each other's and then the other person finished it with sandwiches, which mm-hmm. is, you know, I think it's the most hilarious part of the movie. And <laughs> so we say that all the time where I'm like trying to say a story and I stammer on a word and Erica tries to like ans- answer or finish my sentence. And it's almost always wrong somehow, <laughs> which is funny. So I was like, yeah, I, I actually, I was planning to say a different sandwich, but I guess your, sa- <laughs> I guess your sandwich works too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I get that. It, turns out to be like a guessing game sometimes when people try to finish your sentences absolutely and and if people are accurate at it like I really don't mind because then you know we can speed the conversation along because I I don't necessarily like the attention always of like you know bringing a conversation to a standstill again I know it's it's not a a limitation on us but it's it, it's kind of nice if the conversation can continue to flow forward yeah me too I totally get what you mean because I think um when I stutter the thing I hate most is because usually when I stutter it's a block where there's like a space of silence and mm-hmm. what I dislike most about my stutter is uh, is the the awkwardness it created so sometimes it would be a relief mm-hmm. if um the the person who who I was talking to would just 
say it for me and we can get the conversation flowing yeah yeah but i think um but i think in the long run it kind of made me like scared of my stutter a little bit and i would Mm. try to avoid it so i've been trying like personally just for me it's different for everyone obviously but personally i've been trying to just um just take my own time and stuttered through what I was going to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really important thing for, for having any sort of speech impediment is allowing yourself to, to take time and space. Right. Yeah. And allowing yourself to also not, not rush it because sometimes mm-hmm. by rushing it, the stammering or stuttering gets worse because yeah. you're trying to, <laughs> You're trying to let people know that you're trying to say something and try mm-hmm. trying to force it. It can sometimes be more stressful and 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 uh, make it worse. I had an experience mm-hmm. with that in undergrad. I was in an English class in my fourth year of undergrad, mm-hmm. and uh, it it actually came to my advantage after a while because everyone else, you know, the teacher would call the professor would call on them and they would talk immediately, and then professor calling someone else and they would talk immediately and no one really cared what anyone else had to say because it kind of flowed that way Mm -hmm. whereas every time she'd call with me call on me it would take me a couple seconds and in that couple (laughs) seconds the whole room went quiet and then everyone actually would like turn around (laughs) and then by by the time I actually said something I had everyone's complete attention and Mm -hmm. the room was silent so everyone could hear me and (laughs) it's like one of the like big successes I had as a person who struggled with a a speech impediment my whole life yeah that way everyone hears what you have to say and they like they tune in automatically yeah Yeah, exactly yeah I also I also had a with time and space I also had a funny experience um when I was doing my master's at the Eastman School of Music I was the I was the teaching on teaching assistant for the tuba euphonium ensemble and it was one time where we were playing at NERTEC which is the northeast regional tuba euphonium conference in Ithaca New York and uh, we were the opening show on opening night and the concert hall was yeah I love public speaking which is which is a weird and but like fortunate thing for someone with a stammer yeah that's great but in this case, it was so funny because opening night on opening act and the auditorium was full of like the top professionals in the low brass world. And mm-hmm. you knew they were all out there. And I went in front of the group because I was going to announce who we were and the piece and stuff like this. And I go pull up the microphone in my mouth. And I can I can hear that the microphone is really live, like really hot, that it's like mm-hmm. going to be pretty loud. And yeah. and I, I go to talk and the only thing that comes out is a and then I just like take a second and then I smile because I think that's hilarious and then the whole auditorium just erupted in laughter oh my god which was which was hilarious it was like the best icebreaker ever and as long as I wasn't self-conscious about it then you know like I felt way better you know I I articulated myself well after you know introduced ourselves and like we had a we had a great time on stage yeah it's really funny um yeah just being comfortable in that situation I think can be hard for some people but um if you're able to be comfortable it makes everyone comfortable which is the best thing (laughs) (laughs) that's it right yeah that's all there is. Oh, that's really funny. <laughs> and 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 I think as as well, you mentioned you know if it if it makes everyone comfortable, mm-hmm. 
that's a that's a key and that's you know certainly helped uh you know when i met, met my wife we were in like a, a bible study and mm-hmm. so have you know we we're introducing ourselves and like freaking stammer and then it just you know everyone laughed broke the tension but it also as far as advantages go another advantage of having a stammer i think is really not fearing disabilities or limitations yeah, in other people because sure. there's nothing that feels worse than being pitied mm-hmm. for for having a you know a speech limitation or speech disability or whatever because it's again we I don't feel any less than anyone I don't yeah. feel like I'm not intelligent or something like this so I always mm-hmm. hated when people would pity me for my stammer yeah for sure um, and I feel like that helped me deal with, or not deal with, but interact and engage and support people with other disabilities, regardless of what it is, because mm-hmm. knowing, being in that position where I just wanted to be treated like Devin, not the stammerer friend, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, sure. then, it, then it's the same thing with anyone else. It's like, oh, okay, you, you have a limitation, or maybe, you know, I had a student that had uh, like, chronic and like debilitating depression Mm. and so but I just you know taught him as who he was and then and then we just you know we just knew that sometimes he would be depressed and then other times he wouldn't be depressed but in the meantime we were learning the euphonium and and then he could thrive so much better and improve so much more quickly because he wasn't being treated for his limitation or disability Right. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Um, I loved everything you said just now. <laughs> I, think, um, I think definitely that pity that some people who stutter get, um, it's definitely not a great feeling. And I think just everyone who doesn't really know about stuttering, they just kind of have to learn that um, because we stutter, it doesn't mean like we're any lesser or like less smart or intelligent or anything like that we just happen to talk a little differently and I think once they realize once they think about it that way it's actually pretty simple and it's not really a big deal Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. and um what you said about understanding and accepting people with other uh disabilities or limitations has Mm -hmm. a big impact on on our like empathy um level i think because we're able to relate to like not being in complete control of something yeah and it just affects our lives yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. and i I feel as well like as as an officer it has made a difference as well too um Mm -hmm. because part of it i feel like part of being a good leader is also knowing the capacity of your people right and then putting them in situations like setting them up for success Mm -hmm. but also it's knowing knowing their limitations that will impede it and knowing what their limitations are that need to be overcome Mm -hmm. so i have that at you know right now it's COVID 19 right and and I work at the Royal Military College. And, you know, sometimes it's very difficult for the students at the college. Right now they're dispersed all over the country. Mm-hmm. And it's very strange because at the Royal Military College is such a tight community. Mm-hmm. And it's so, it's, it, that community is an, it's, it's an integral part of the RMC experience. Mm-hmm. And yet they're apart. 
And so, yeah. you know, online classes are difficult. They don't have regular uh, interactions with their college friends. Like every, every, everything's different. And so running a virtual music program, mm -hmm. it's also sometimes difficult because I know that they're having a rough go. Um, and then you want to make sure you have enough pressure so that when they know that they matter, that they, that they're a part of something that's vibrant, that they're a part of something engaging, while also trying to manage their energy so that they don't uh, feel so loyal to you that they burn themselves out when really they need a break. Yeah. Or, or then there are some people who, you know, the expectations on them are lower. So their efficiency is lower. Mm -hmm. And so, so they think, oh, I should take a break but sometimes they just need a kick in the butt where they just like, no, you need to be more efficient with your time. Right. And I feel like my experience with not treating people by their limitations or engaging with people by their limitations has made it more possible with empathy to know like, okay, in this situation, this person needs tough love. <laughs> and then so like they're gonna they're gonna continue to have this deadline and they will make their deadline and then they feel better for it afterwards and then there are people who feel are limited because maybe they're feeling depressed maybe they're feeling anxious maybe they're falling behind in academics which happens to everyone you know we, we have we ebb and flow yeah for sure and but so there's times when they need the time and space and go mm -hmm. you know what in your situation i think you should take the time and then when you when you're through this season, then we'll welcome you back with open arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a leader, I think that's like the most important thing you can do for the people that you lead. And yeah, it's really cool how um, you delegate each thing like that. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's really been critical for me, and that's been um, re really helpful once I've been able to. Kind of recognize my teammates or or my team's strengths and be able to capitalize on that. As as silly as um, one summer, I was the assistant director of music for Ceremonial Guard, mm -hmm. and uh, it, it it's kind of a complex role on the hill because yeah. you have to constantly. Yeah, you're, you're, you're conducting, you're stopping and starting, but you're also having to constantly be aware of the other elements that are going on in the parade. And so oh, right. sometimes it's like, because you have to end the music in a reasonable place mm -hmm. for a march and you have to, you know, cue the bass drum, give enough information, uh, cue to the bass drum, mm -hmm. enough notice. Yeah. And so it sounds simple, but sometimes it can be very difficult to end the music at exactly the right place to make sure everyone stops at the same time. Yeah, it sounds hard. Um, but there's no speaking role, which is, which is, which is right. <laughs> kind of handy, especially for some of the stammer. But there is, <laughs> there is one occasion during the ceremonial guard where the bando has to say something. And that's where the uh, parade commander says something. And I'm supposed to say, band ready. <laughs> and I'm like... You know, everyone knows that that's what comes next. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, my one strategy was that because no one really hears any consonants anyway. <laughs> so I would say like, "And ready." <laughs> I just try to accentuate the beginning of it, but then I also learned eventually that the drummers loved sharing it on my behalf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm like, "Oh man, they're they're gonna stammer on it zero percent of the time," and <laughs> I have a chance of spend uh, stammering on it every single time <laughs> so yeah. 
so then it's like oh man drummers love it i will totally do that and i just you know gave them a little cue every time that it was coming mm -hmm. and then they, they poured their hearts into it. It almost became a competition of who could say band ready best. And I, I was, I was really happy to tip my hat to them. Yeah. That's so funny. Um, yeah. And those types of like time crunch situations, that's like the best thing it can do. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and, uh, when we were talking earlier, you told me a lot of these little cool, um, philosophies or, mantras that you have for yourself mm -hmm. and I thought they were really um beneficial and really interesting to learn about can, can you tell us more about this and how they help you yeah my my the one I use the most often and I'm working from home and my meetings are from home and so right. and my wife works from home too and uh so she hears this on a daily basis the one I see mm -hmm. the most common is um the best idea wins yeah you know, um, and I also tell my team often, like, I, I only come up with a first draft. So like, I have an idea for how I want things done. And then, you know, I put it in a, like a, a cohesive plan. Mm -hmm. And then, and then I send it out to my advisors. And, you know, it should be at least that good. And mm -hmm. but otherwise, like, if they can improve on it, if they have a better idea, then then we always go with that. And I found that that kind of standard has uh, been really helpful as a leader to, to always make sure you have the best because the standard isn't like how great a leader I am or yeah. any <laughs> statistics. The, the idea is that uh, the best idea wins. Right. And, and that's been really helpful. Um, there's also um, this book by Malcolm Gladwell that's mm -hmm. um, titled David and Goliath. And uh I think it's a really helpful analogy as well. He talked yeah. about, you know, the biblical story of David and Goliath, where there was this massive giant who, uh, who was, uh, was taunting the Israelites and mm -hmm. like, he was like eight, nine, 10 feet tall or whatever, yeah. just like this, just giant, no one's going to beat him in a sword fight. And mm -hmm. then, uh, then David comes, who's like a small shepherd boy who was like, had a wicked slingshot and, <laughs> And the, the scenario, if you look at it from the outside in, is you have some 10-foot guy against some whatever, 5-foot guy. Mm -hmm. And 10 out of 10, 100% of the time, Goliath is going to win. Yeah. Uh, but in a sword he fight. Does, in a sword fight. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. But uh, he doesn't win. And that's because David changed the conditions. And right. so uh, Goliath, again, in a sword fight, would win 100% of the time. And then David brought in a slingshot, which is kind of like bringing a, a gun or a sniper to a sword fight. Mm -hmm. And then so I feel like especially for our, um, having a speech impediment, it's really helpful to kind of realize the conditions yeah. and then change the conditions so that it works for you. And yeah. I, in some ways, I feel like there are not many people who are required to be as adaptable as people with a stammer. Yeah, because for sure. I don't know about you, but my whole life has been mid-sentence trying to think of like different ways to say things because you can mm -hmm. kind of sense like eight, nine, ten words ahead when a word is you're going to stammer on. Yeah, yeah. And so I feel like we're you're like kings and queens of synonyms <laughs> for having other ways of saying things. Um, but then even in today, like how, how do you adapt the conditions? 
Because in a in a talking or a debate, you know, I'm going to lose every time right. because they'll out talk me, they'll interrupt me. They're um, I sometimes can't really uh, um, plan my thought process terribly far in advance because I'm stuck on the one word, stuck on the one sentence, like screening it for stammer words kind yeah. of thing. And so in that case, like you know. I'm not going to go into a debate and and, and battle with words because 100% of the time I'm going to lose. Mm-hmm. So then how, the question is, how do you change the conditions so that you win every time? Yeah, that's really true. I think if you happen to be in a debate, like you said, um, usually they go really fast, right? Just back and forth <laughs> shooting. Mm-hmm. But um, I think... Um, if you were a person who stuttered and you wanted to change the conditions, maybe you could talk a lot slower and be a lot more enunciated so people listen to exactly what you're saying and not just the way you're saying it and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really true. Yeah, and, and taking the time and space like we were talking before. Yeah, exactly. And not being afraid of silence. A lot of people are afraid of silence, you know? Yeah, for sure, a lot. <laughs> and, and the silence is our reality. Yeah. And um, I think also what you said about being, uh, about what you said about people who stuttered being adaptable is really true because um, because having a stutter or a stammer affects our like social situations, right? Like we only mm-hmm. talk when we talk to other people, but um, every situation is so different. And when we stutter, it changes those situations. So mm-hmm. um maybe not necessarily changing your words every time, but I think just going through and just living through those situations causes us to, um, I don't know, maybe just look at it from a different perspective than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think what's you, what's interesting too about um, uh, speech impediments mm-hmm. as well, and that's unique and adaptable is that I feel like I could be wrong. I haven't done an extensive survey, but I feel yeah. like there's not two people that stammer on the same words. Yeah. Like it's different um, for everyone. Yeah. Like for, I know from what I've heard and certainly I've experienced this for myself, but the, the hardest word in the English language is your name because <laughs> it's the one word in the English language that doesn't have a synonym. You right, can't go yeah. like, my name is Christopher. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> you, you can't you can't just pick your own name. And I I I thought I was clever back in high school, but one time I was at a yard sale and they had like a stack of hello my name is stickers. Oh yeah. <laughs> well I actually bought the stickers and then anytime I was going to a place where I need know that I would need to introduce myself, mm-hmm. then I just like wrote a hello my name is sticker and put it on my <laughs> chest. No no one ever questioned it and I certainly didn't mind not having to to say my name. Yeah, it's funny. Or another one for me is H's. I hate H's. Oh, yeah. They can be uh, hard. Yeah. Like on the phone, mm-hmm. um, not everyone thinks about this, but it's difficult to start a phone conversation without H. Like hello or hi is so common. Oh, yeah. And like, hey, too. <laughs> yeah. And and so if it doesn't come out, if, if like when this was really bad for me, mm-hmm. and so it this is back before there was a whole lot of caller ID too. Right. You pick up the phone, you call someone, they go, hello, hello. And all you can give on the other end is. 
it sound like some stalker on the other end. And so, and there's also a time limit that someone is willing to let there be silence on the other end of the line. So they'll right. go, hello, hello. And then they either assume it's a telemarketer mm. or it's a creep or no one's there. And then they yeah. hang up. Yeah, it can be hard. Yeah, so I used to throw, uh, I do H and keep trying and then, bef- but I didn't want him to hang up. So I would just throw an S on it. And so I just go, so that at least they would know I was there and, <laughs> and, and wouldn't hang up on me. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, for phone calls. Yeah. Phone calls are definitely a hard, um, uh, a hard experience for people who stutter for sure, because it's just difficult to not be able to see the person you're, you're talking to. And so mm-hmm. you don't get those like social cues that you would normally get. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, um, maybe the next time, I'm on the phone and I stutter. I'd be just, I'd just be like, oh, I stutter. Just give me a second. And then maybe the <laughs> other person will know that, oh, someone is there. Yeah. Yeah. And then it, it breaks the tension and yeah, then yeah. you're good to carry on from there. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. great. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for talking with me, Devin. Um, it's been super interesting hearing all of your ideas and experiences. So thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was this was great. Thank you. Of course. And uh, thank you listeners for for continuing to support stuttering through life and stay tuned for the next episode. Bye, Devin. Yeah, IQ Young. <laughs>